God and, and, and let him help us with the condition of our heart. I wrote this down for us. That there are four major heart blockages that we often contend with in our life. Now, it's not a comprehensive list, and it's not everything. And this doesn't discount uh, something that I'll mention here, that, that our hearts also deal with external wounds. And so we deal with wounding in our heart from things that happen that we can't control, issues that happen to us, things that happen to other people that harm us and hurt us and injure us. And that can cause heart issues that we, if not dealt with, will lead to living and to behavior and to actions and to thinking that is not good. So I don't want anybody to think that this is a comprehensive list in here and that if you, you look into all four of these and, and, and you don't pay attention to anything else, that this is going to be kind of the formula for right living and healthy living in your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that these are usually, in my experience, in my own life, in dealing with my own heart and trying to deal with my own heart health, to eat my spiritual Cheerios, that these, and working with people for 17 years, and working with people for 17 years in four different states, so that brings in a lot of different cultures, a lot of different contexts, a lot of different people from different walks of life. What I've discovered in working with people and in my own life, for the basic major issues that we have that cause heart blockage, cause our heart to get out of rhythm, cause our heart to be sick, are these four. And it starts really with, with anger. And a lot of times, anger develops out of being wounded. So when we're wounded, so let's go back to that external wounding and something that happens to us. If somebody does something to us, when someone hurts us or wounds us, a lot of times if it's not dealt with and our heart is not spoken into by God and the Holy Spirit and we don't search that out and, and, and seek healing for that and we don't actively do that, a lot of times wounds manifest themselves into bitterness and sometimes into resentment and sometimes into full-blown anger. And what happens with full-blown anger when it is affecting our heart is, is we've lost control somehow of our lives. And, and when we lose control of our lives, whether we feel like someone else has done that to us or we've done it to ourselves or it's just a set of circumstances that's caused us to believe that we've lost control in some way, if that goes unchecked in our heart, oftentimes it can lead to anger. And so anger, unfortunately, as a heart sickness, doesn't stay inside. A lot of times anger, when it consumes our heart and it becomes a heart sickness and knocks our heart out of rhythm, oftentimes that comes out in different ways. Unfortunately, uh, our spouses, if we're married, uh, take the brunt of that heart sickness that comes out in, 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 uh, in an emotional and even sometimes in, in a physical way. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical or putting hands on people, just even verbally and otherwise. And our friends and coworkers and just sometimes anybody in our realm can be affected by the heart sickness of anger. Because we've lost control or we think we've lost control of something in some way or we think we've lost control of our life. And as that roots itself in our heart and then comes out, it oftentimes comes out in a loss of control. And so it is, a, is something to constantly guard our heart about. You know what it oftentimes leads to, especially in men, is the, the loss of expectation. It, it, it plagues a lot of men when we're, we don't live up to the standard that we think we're supposed to live up to in our lives and our work and our, our fulfillment and our purpose. 
And when we don't do that, we feel like we've lost control of our lives. And when we feel like we've lost control of our lives, then we get angry. And we get angry at, at the, the, the opportunities that we don't have and the opportunities that we should have had and the opportunities that aren't coming our way. And, and then it becomes very visceral. And that means it becomes something that's very deep inside of our hearts and our souls. And, and it begins to control us because we've lost control. And it affects a lot of men. But I know it affects women too. And so it is a heart blockage that we need God's help with to inspect our hearts about to make sure that we don't have a heart that is sick from anger because it will come out. The, the next one is guilt. And so this is a big one for us. This is a big one for Christians. That, that when we do something or we uh, do something that we're not supposed to do or, or we treat someone in a way that we're not supposed to treat them or some event or circumstance happens in our life or something that we didn't do that we should have done that causes a set of events or circumstances to play out in a way that we think we're responsible for, then we live in our hearts with guilt. And that guilt then begins to manifest in this idea that we owe someone something else. And we begin to live with this guilt in our heart and this owing of someone else. And that guilt and owing of someone else begins to make our heart sick. And then it begins to affect the course of our life. And so then everything is shaded and tainted by our own internal guilt that we feel. Our relationships are, our marriages, our our work relationships. And certainly when we try to come together as the body of Christ, we are people driven by this idea of guilt. And it kills a passion and it kills joy and it kills freedom. And it it allows us to not be able to celebrate the things that we should celebrate and not be serious and sober about the things that we should be serious and sober about. Because we're so overwhelmed in our hearts by this idea of owing someone something and by guilt just ravaging us. And then affecting our behavior. The, the, the next one's greed. So we owe someone else, and then now we owe me. So, so somebody out there, somebody with no name and no face, owes me something. And so, for, for whatever reason, because I'm bald, you know. Um, you know, because I'm bald and have to deal with that, you guys owe me. Did you know that? Or, or, or put whatever it is in place of that. Uh, whatever you've struggled with, whatever you've dealt with. Maybe you're walking through this with a friend right now or, 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 or you've walked with it through a friend or you have dealt with it in your own heart and in your own life. That for whatever reason, we get into this situation of entitlement and feeling like because of whatever circumstance or where we're born and who we are or something that happened or something that didn't happen, that the world or, or people or a person owes us something. And as we live in perpetual greed, and in the posture in our heart of everybody owing me and I'm entitled, then that naturally is going to affect the way that I live. Because remember, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And so then greed becomes uh, seated in who we are. And so we, 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 we interact that way and, and we, we handle our resources and our time and our energy and and everything that we touch and everything that we do is tainted by this idea of being owed something. And it's a heart sickness that knocks our heart out of rhythm and is not healthy for us. And so therefore, as it plagues us, it plagues our lives. Then the last one is jealousy. No one deals with this, so I'll go on. Um, I think I put wrong expectations up there 
because I think a lot of times that expectation doesn't center on man. I think that expectation centers on God. And I think when we have the wrong expectation of God and what he's supposed to do for us, we oftentimes get the wrong expectation of what's supposed to happen here on earth and in our lives. And then that begins to seed itself in our hearts. And so every other person that is experiencing, I don't know, joy or uh, fulfillment or contentment or whatever they may have or possess in their lives that we don't have, we begin to be jealous over that. And jealousy oftentimes leads to what? Anger. It's because we have had the wrong expectation of who God is, who his character is, and what he's supposed to do for us. I said early on in the formation of this church, when there was just a, a few of us sitting in this room, that, that oftentimes the wrong understanding of who God is leads to the wrong understanding of what he's supposed to do. And so when we get it wrong that, that God owes us in some way, or that he's supposed to do this, this, and this for us, and this for us personally, and this for our career, and this for my family, and this for me as an individual, we begin to shatter our lives with this wrong expectation, not of people, but first of God. And then as we, jealousy seeds itself in our hearts, we then begin to express those bad expectations and wrong expectations on people too. But because we're jealous and because we struggle with that and we struggle with unmet expectations, first with God and what he hasn't done for us, as Proverbs says, it determines the course of our life. And the next thing you know, my jealous heart has consumed me. And I can't live my life in a healthy way because I'm constantly jealous or envious of what other people have. I can't celebrate anything with somebody when something good happens. I, I can't hurt in the right way with someone when something bad happens. I can't empathize really well when someone is coming to me for help or I'm been tasked to walk through something with somebody. I can't sympathize when someone's just on the street and they're just trying to tell me to unload a burden. It's very difficult to do that when my heart is sick with jealousy uh, due to unmet expectations because it's very difficult for me to relate to other people if I'm constantly envious of them and their situation. It's just four things. It doesn't mean that it's a comprehensive list. But what you're probably doing in your mind right now is, is you may be relating to some of this, but what you also may be seeing is these four things oftentimes lead to other things. And actually, these four things sometimes all flow into one another. We constantly have to be going to God, searching the Scriptures, praying to this God that we say is the creator of the world, the catalyst of all things, who saved us and changed us and redeemed us and rescued us. This, this God and, and this Christ that we give our lives to, that we believe was raised from the dead. And that same power that raised him from the dead exists in us, this God. We have to constantly go back and draw upon the power of that God in our lives through his spirit to help guard our hearts above all else so that the courses of our lives will be healthy and right and good and we will interact in the way that God desires for us to interact 
that we will do the things that God desires for us to do and we will be the people that God designed for us to be. And not perfect, but empowered in a way by God so that we don't live our lives with perpetual heart sickness that then leads to life sickness. And so as God corrects us, as God encourages us, as his truth heals us, as it changes us, and the heart is guarded above all else, then the life expressed out of that heart is one that has been changed, healed, and filled with God's joy and purpose. So we read those first four verses last week. I'm just going to read a couple here. Try to push us back toward this truth of God's power within us. The power that is deeply rooted in his love so that we can have powerful, empowered, strong, capable hearts to do life. We are on mission together. The mission is so important and so real and so eternal that it is, it it doesn't allow for the people that have been called to the mission to be a bunch of people that don't regard their hearts. It calls for people who regard their hearts above all else in God's power and in God's strength so that we can be healthy, so that we can contribute greatly to the mission. Let me read the rest of Paul's prayer. It says in verse 19, may you experience, this is, he kind of gets down to the end and he's drawing it to a, a really amazing, powerful, and hopefully as you walk out today, an encouraging conclusion. He says, may you experience the love of Christ. We talked about this last week. Now, right before that, he says, no one can fully understand, and then he reiterates it here, as, but, but you have the power to understand through Christ how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. So you really can understand it, but through Christ and through his Holy Spirit, you should understand that God's love for you and me in Christ and what he has done for us, if no other reason to believe in God's love but to look at Christ, that to see his love and to know and understand what it has done for us, that should be experienced and lived out by every believer. He said, as all believers should know. And then in verse 19, he says, not only do we just experience this in our hearts and we just hold it in, but boy, you may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. That doesn't, that's a little bit of a, of a paradox there, isn't it? Or, or something, it doesn't seem to make sense. We'll get back to that in just a second. He says, but as you understand with God's help, his love for you and what that does for your heart, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Just drink that in for a second. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life. Sounds good. Complete sounds really good, doesn't it? In some context, that word also means mature. So you will be made mature or complete or you'll, you'll act like a grown-up with all the fullness. What does it mean to be full? You guys know, I'm gonna know in a few minutes. I mean, last night we 
how many of y'all, be honest. Let's have accountability. Who likes Monterey's in here? All right, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Laird. You're the only honest person in the building. Brian does, thank you, Brian. Monterey's, if you haven't gone, I suggest you go. It's, uh, it's heart-hardening. It's, it's not Cheerios. It, it won't be heart-healthy, but it'll be good. And you'll walk out of there feeling full. And for some crazy reason, your back will hurt. It'll, 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 just, it'll, it'll, it'll have moved its way around. And, that, and that's how it felt last night. Like my knees were achy when I left Monterey's. And I felt like I'd been beaten. But I was full. <laughs> oh, this tasted so good. Steak burrito. Zuh. Steak burrito. Zuh. Plural. Physically. Don't turn your nose up at it. Don't judge me. Everybody in this room knows the satisfaction and the feeling of being physically full. To not be able to put anything else in your mouth or it's going to come back. And, and there's nothing like eating a good meal, like a really good meal. Whether it's home cooked or, or you splurge and treat yourself. There's nothing like eating a really good meal and feeling really full. It's like, it's like you've, you've worked and done something when you've done nothing but, you know, begin to kill yourself. Really, it's, it's, it's quite extraordinary how, how good it feels. You will be, this is through the love of Christ and through the power of God's spirit in us. Spiritually, this idea of heart health, the potential that our hearts have to be healthy. You will be made complete and with all the fullness, the the backache and everything, just the feeling of unbelievable satisfaction in Christ through his power of life. Isn't that incredible? So essentially, a believer in Jesus, a a follower of Christ, who taps in through the heart the power of God's spirit in us, really should walk around with their back hurting in a spiritual sense because they're just so full of life through his power. It's incredible. And what does it mean to be full of life? Well, a full life completing God's power leads to a lot of good, healthy things in our marriages and in our homes and in our relationships, in our churches and on mission in the world. It's just filled with satisfaction of God's completeness. Now all, now he gets down to his benediction here, his ending. After he has said all this about God's power and complete fullness in him, he says, now all glory to who? To me, because I received it, oh, because I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and doggone it, people like me, because I'm special to have, no, all glory to God. Why? Because he is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to do what? If you weren't convinced about this fullness of life thing and what that looks like for your life, listen to this. And power at work within us, within you, within me, to accomplish 
infinitely more than we might ask or think. What I, I love about many of you is there are a lot of creative people in this room. As we were having our prayer time this morning, uh, one of the college girls offered up this a beautiful prayer about God working through the creativity, his own creativity and, and working in creativity through the creative nature of his people. Beautiful. What's amazing is, is that there's enough creativity in this room that we can think of a lot of things. We can dream about a lot of things. And in fact, we sometimes can be so bold as to ask for a lot of things in our lives. But he says, through the complete power of God, who is able, he's the one who's able, that comes to fullness of life in us, so full, we're just back hurting with satisfaction. As he brings that to completeness in us, through his power, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than a human being can think up to ask or even dream. Pretty full life. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever. Amen. Let's deal with this real quick. Verse 19 says that you may experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Doesn't seem to make sense there. In other translations that you might be reading, outside of this one, which is why I put it in bracket, is, says to know. So to experience and to know the love of Christ, and then he comes back on the end and kind of, that doesn't seem to make sense the way he finishes that. So we can experience it, as all God's people should, everybody who knows Christ. We should know and we can experience the love of Christ, although it is too great. It's so deep and wide and long and high. And, and it's sometimes beyond human imagination how deep and big and powerful God's love is. But Paul says that even though it's that big, those who are in Christ should know it. And should experience it. Here's what's crazy about the paradox of God's love. We should know the unknown. That we are so rich, it is impossible to know how rich we are. But you know you're rich. When I lived in Charlotte, uh, I had a friend that went to our church there who uh, loved to take me to lunch. Uh, you're probably seeing a theme here with food. And, and um, I like to go to lunch uh, and I like to hang out with people, and I especially like to go to the lunch with people who like to take me to lunch. I'm just, this is just confessional this morning, you know, it's fine. It's fine, I'm, I feel better. This guy was the general manager of Charlotte Jaguar. Uh, generous man, kind man, would always just want to go to lunch and and, and he, he was a good lunch partner, man. He, he looks like talk about life, and he was filled with, he was so positive and kind and joyous, and he just blessed me, and I miss him. And he would take you to some of the nicest places, and that really wasn't the best part of it. It was just the, the company. But I would always have to drive down to South Charlotte to where he was, which is totally fine with me, and meet him at his work. Well, one day I went down there to meet him for lunch, and he wasn't done yet. He was in his office, he was in a meeting, and I was standing in the showroom. You guys ever been in a Jaguar showroom? As you can tell, I, that's not a place I should be. 
And in those days, I, I thought I would be kind of clever and funny. Sometimes my humor works and sometimes it doesn't. I thought I would mess with one of his salesmen. And so he didn't know who I was and he didn't know why I was there and he didn't, hadn't talked to me and he didn't know I was waiting on my friend Don. So I decided that I was going to be a Jaguar shopper and to see how far we got with one of his salesmen. And so I'm walking around looking at cars, you know, with, you know, really introspectively. Yeah, I like that. Walk over here, you know, just kind of get that swagger. Yeah, I like that car. That, just kind of walking around, you know, looking at it, trying to act like I'm in charge, you know, like I, I can actually buy a Jaguar. And his salesman comes over, older guy, savvy, I thought, man, I'm in trouble, I'm not going to get this guy. But he came over and he said, hey, sir, can I help you? And I said, yeah, yeah, just looking. <laughs> and uh, can you tell me about this one? And he's telling me, and, and, then, and then I'm like, man, I, I just noticed a lot of different, like, are all Jaguars the same? And, He's like, he's, he's going through his spiel. And then at one point I go, well, how much does this one cost? And he just kind of looked at me and he was just like, well, you know, and he told me. And then after I blacked out, he, he woke me up and then we went to lunch. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I couldn't play it off. And, and this guy was completely on to me. And about that time, my buddy Don walks out, and he's kind of laughing about it, and, and I, he introduced me to, to salesmen, and we were joking around. I said, I hope I didn't, you know, cause any, you to lose any business because you were fooling around with me. And he's like, oh, no, no, we've been kind of slow today, and um, the whole thing. And so when we chatted for a minute, and I said, I'm curious, you know, I, I've been in here, you watched me walk around, you and I kind of made eye contact a couple times before you even walked over, and, and then I, you know, I tried to ask you a couple questions and sound like I knew what I was talking about, and I, when did it kind of give it away that I I wasn't here to buy a Jaguar. You know what he said? He said, well, probably when I first saw you. (laughs) Basically, you just showing up was the the (laughs) tip-off. But he said something profound. I remembered it this week in this idea of paradox that we're so rich in God's love that it's impossible to know how rich we even are. We can't even measure it. He can't count how much money we got. This is what he said. He said, usually people that come, I've been doing this a long time, usually people that come and are serious about buying a Jaguar don't have to ask me how much it costs. They don't care. They just know they have the money to buy it. Even though they might not even know how much money they have. And he said, I've never sold a car in the last 20 years, never sold a Jaguar to anyone who ever asked me, how much does this one cost? They just know. And they know they have the money to pay for it, even if they don't know the number. Same is true as God's love, you know? We, we, through God's spirit, Paul says, you know. And not only do you know, you you experience it. You know in your heart what God's love has done in your heart and what it has done in the lives and hearts of your friends. And some, you know what it's done in the hearts and lives of your family. And some of us, although we can experience and know what the love of God means in the world, even though with our minds, we don't have the full ability 
to be able to count it. And we don't and aren't able to fully understand how big it really is. So we're so doggone rich. I don't even know how much money I got anymore. And I don't have to ask when I go to buy something that I should or should not have. See, that's the the thing about being rich is that you get to experience and have things that that you're not really supposed to or it doesn't make sense sometimes. You know, how many times have you talked to somebody? We're in the South, and so this is a big uh, catchphrase in the South that that person has too much money and they don't know what to do with it. You guys ever heard that or is that just me? And so there's that little phrase, and, and what does that speak to? I mean, it's kind of funny and it's catchy and probably true. That sometimes people that, that have a lot of money, they, they have a privilege. And that privilege affords them things that you and I just, we don't get to have unless they share it with us. And, and that's how it goes sometimes. And that's okay. What's amazing about the love and relationship with Christ is this, is that the privilege of knowing Jesus, of having a relationship with him, is knowing and experiencing things that we're not supposed to understand. Like the love of God. So when we have a relationship with God in Christ, and his spirit has invaded our hearts, and gives us the fullness and completeness of his riches and wealth, especially of his love, then we get to, by his power, not ours, not ours, by his power that has come and invaded my heart and empowers me to know. I get to know and experience something that makes no sense. That's why we say, I can't believe God loves me. I can't believe God would pour out his grace on me. But because of Christ, in our hearts and lives, we know he did. He's so rich. Listen, go tell somebody who kind of knows you that you're so rich. (laughs) You don't even know how much you got. And they'll just look at you like, oh, okay. Great. And walk, you know. Tell tell a family member, go home and, and, and try to just process that. Paul says, you know, even though It's unknown. That's how much you got. And the known and the unknown in God's love leads to full, complete lives. Show me someone who lives with joy and passion, even if they're going through a hard time, even if they don't understand, even if they're human, even if they're imperfect, even if they struggle as we all do, as we all do. But you show me someone who's filled with joy and hope and passion for life and for Jesus, and most likely you will be, have, have met someone who understands and knows at some level the love of God in their heart. That's why we gotta be heart healthy. Because hard health leads to full lives in God's power. You're so rich, you know how much money you got. And then he says in verse 19, you'll be made complete with all the fullness. We've already talked about this a little bit, but we're filled to be full. So God wants us to be filled with his spirit so that we can be full of his character. 
That's why. Healthy hearts, hearts that are, uh, that are, are mended and, and, and healed and hearts that are constantly inspected with God's spirit and his power are healthy hearts. They're full hearts. And they're hearts that are filled with God's spirit and his power, not of our own, so that we can be full of his character. That's why when Solomon says, guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. So if, if your heart is full and filled with God's spirit, as we see all throughout the book of Acts, as we see all throughout the New Testament, as we see all throughout the Bible, gives us the ability to live and to know God and to know his heart and his ways and to live them out. God's spirit. If you're filled with God's spirit, then your life will be full of God's character. And we will treat people, we will live, we will be on mission, we will do life with God's character. Full and complete and mature as we try to tackle this thing called life. Have y'all, do you guys listen to local radio? I, I like the idea of maturity in this, not only completeness, but maturity is a big deal. We need more of that in our world. Do you guys listen to local radio sometimes? There is this commercial. I, I don't listen to a lot of local radio, but sometimes when I'm driving out to Lexington, I, I like to listen to sports radio because it gives me some fuel to kind of pick at Brian Kirkland. And, and uh, <laughs> we get into fun conversations, uh, all those guys over there. So it's just a lot of fun. And so sometimes I have to bone up on my sports. And so I'm listening to local radio the, the last couple uh, weeks, and, and I'm, I'm listening to the sports, and there's a, uh, a, a Maurice's Piggy Park commercial. I don't understand it. I, I, really, I really don't. Uh, do you guys, some of you may know what I'm talking about. There is the voice of a child and the voice of a, a two grown-ups, and the child is acting up and making a lot of noise, and the man keeps asking them to stop, and the woman keeps telling the man, you're being childish. I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, I don't know how it comes into play in selling barbecue, but I'm no marketer. And then they go through the, the promotion of Maurice Piggy Park Barbecue, and then at the end, the, the kid is, is, is ah, and the, and, the, and the adult man goes, please stop. And she goes, you're being childish. Who's heard this other than me? Brian, I'm not crazy, am I? See, I told you, <laughs> I have to listen to the radio to hang out with this guy. I'm not crazy, am I? You're being childish. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it means. <laughs> but I'm talking about it so it works. <laughs> so I'm reading this passage this week, and, and he's talking about complete and fullness through the love of God in our hearts. And, and the, the completeness meaning maturity. We, we act like grown-ups. And when we're, we're not, and our heart is sick, and is out of rhythm, and we don't understand fully, or, nor take the time to understand who God is and what his character is, and certainly don't understand to take the time to, to know how rich we are in his love, oftentimes our heart disintegrates into unhealth, and we don't act in maturity in our lives. Yet, you're being childish. In Ephesians 4, Paul goes on to say a little bit more about this. And he says this, when we, when we do this, when we pursue God and his spirit 
informs our lives. In verse 13, he says, we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge, there's that word again, of God's son, Jesus, that we will be mature in the Lord. And why do we need to be mature? And here's the same, almost same language, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. See, I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. Your wife or husband's not the standard. Your guru mentor is not the standard. Your podcasting hero is not the standard. It's Jesus. And he's the one who, the standard of which we live in his power to be complete in. Full and complete and mature. So, and he uses the word mature in the Lord. Then what? It, it almost illustrates what I was just saying. Then we will no longer be immature like children. You're being childish. I, yeah, I got a feeling there's going to be a group of people in here that's going to have fun with this this afternoon in their marriage or just in general. Every, so we act out of heart sickness and unhealth. And we do things that don't represent Christ, that don't represent his character or his heart. And, and, and oftentimes we'll, we'll be, just, just call it what it is, immature. We all do it. The Holy Spirit, you're being childish. What's cool about it is, is that he not just says, you're being childish. He says, hey, come back over here. Let me draw you back into the heart of God so that you can be full and complete again and mature. So that your life can emulate that. So that when you're doing something, especially serving God and representing him in the world, you're being childish cannot be heard or known or true of us, so that we will no longer be immature like children. Why is it important not to be immature? So we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. So we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Doesn't that sound, that sound familiar? Instead, watch this, you'll turn it around. A mature person, complete in the fullness of God and his love is mature and understands and knows the depth of God's love even though it can't be measured. Instead, that person speaks the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so we, we kind of take that in and we process that. It's a lot to process. But we end it like Paul ends it. In verse 20, now all glory to God. He does all this, man. That's what's so beautiful. He just takes what's broken and he repairs it. And he takes what was rescued and he puts it to good use. And, and, and he just brings glory to himself. And, and, and the good, a lot of good happens in us, through us, because of God's power. God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. There is infinite power contained in three little words. God is able. Infinitely more beyond your wildest imaginations what he can do in and through you as you seek and live and know him. God is able. Because God is able and is at work through his mighty power within us, 
to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. That we are able to know the unknowable. We are able to comprehend the incomprehensible. We are able to fathom what reason and logic says that we're not supposed to be able to fathom. We're able to dream about what the world tells you is unbelievable and can't be done. You're able to put your hopes and have peace in a world that dictates oftentimes to us that we're not supposed to possess that at all. See, because God is able through his power at work within us to do infinitely more than we ask or think, he's, he's able to restore what's been broken. He's able to redeem what's been counted as lost. He's able to count what can't be counted. He's able to repair what seems to be irreparable. He's able to do what doesn't seem doable. He's able to bring into full life and color what you couldn't think about yesterday. Because God is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or think, he's able to do what we sometimes are so fearful to ask him to do. Is it because of us, because we're so smart and we're so clever and we're so ingenious and, and, and because we're technologically proficient and because we know how to do this and we live in the, in the information age and we have power and wealth that we flaunt and we have this and that? No, because God is able to do infinitely more than we might ask or think. Three words hold infinite power that radically changes the heart position it to live in a way that brings glory to God and do good on this earth. Why? Because God is able. Lord Jesus, we ask you